Good morning. The scripture today is Ephesians chapter 3, verses 8 through 13. To me, though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God, who created all things, so that through the church the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in heavenly places. This was according to the eternal purpose that he has realized in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. So I ask you not to lose heart over what I am suffering for you, which is your glory. This is the word of the Lord. Well, you can look at the scripture that has already been read for us this morning, Ephesians 3, and we will look at the first two verses, 8 and 9. To me, though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things. The first point this morning is gospel proclamation is the mission. Paul was an active and aggressive opponent of the early church and saw it as something to be opposed and even annihilated at all costs. So when Paul here starts by telling us that he is the very least of all the saints, he has in mind his former persecution of the church. But there's also a sense in which Paul Uh, is realizes the complete unworthiness of any human being in general in being invited to partake in the spreading of God's gospel to all peoples. For now, we will just consider the mission and we'll look at the means later. But now Paul specifically mentions the Gentiles, which are the unbelieving or the heathens of the day. And so we don't need to get stuck on, hey, Josh, who are the Gentiles? Who are the Jews in our day? I don't think that's the point Paul wanted to make. The point Paul wants us to take is that the Gentiles, or rather those who have not put their faith in Christ, all those who have never even heard of the unsearchable riches of Christ, are those to whom the gospel needs to be taken. Which begs the question, what the unsearchable riches of Christ are. Well, the unsearchable riches of Christ is the gospel in all its glory, the truths of Christ's life, death, and defeat over the enemy in our place. And to be sure, this is not a gospel that he developed or wrote. Paul even says to bring to light for everyone What is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things? And so Paul is saying that he is merely bringing to light. He is merely shedding light on this mystery that was hidden for ages. And let me just say that this is not a mystery in the sense that it is unknowable. That is a mystery in the sense that it was formerly hidden and has now been made known in Jesus It's the message revealed. And were it not for the grace of God in our lives, we ourselves would not even speak of this message. In fact, our former natures hated the message of salvation through faith in Christ alone in our place. If that message did not offend you at some point, I fear you did not understand it. 
The idea that we were spiritually dead and completely and utterly helpless. Helpless. Yet there was someone who was grievously wronged and profaned by you and me. And yet it is exactly him who forgives, who saves, who transforms, who sustains and grows and matures, who listens, who intercedes, who sent his spirit by which he guarantees everything for those whom he has called. That is wildly offensive. And then two of my favorite two consecutive words in the Bible, but God. I know you guys love those words as much as I do. But God. Ephesians 2 verse 4 to 8. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So that in the coming ages... He might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. The gospel, its message, and the work of the Spirit in making the gospel precious to us in our hearts is a gift of God. Its proclamation then becomes the mission. It's why Christ came. And because I can even think back to a day for myself where I thought this mission is very clearly for apostles like Paul and senior pastors like Matthew, let me just say the enemy would love nothing more than for us to believe and accept this lie. We are to live for Christ's glory in such a way that his excellencies are proclaimed and his mission is advanced. Listen to what 2 Corinthians 5.15 says. And he... Christ, died for all that those who live, that's believers, might no longer live for themselves, but for him. And only three verses later, Paul would say, all this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. So who has the ministry of reconciliation? Well, all those from verse 15, who live no longer for themselves. The mission of God to see the unsearchable riches of Christ proclaimed to all nations, tribes, and languages. The mission of God to bring light to what is the plan for the mystery hidden for ages and God will not stop. Nor will it be thwarted or frustrated or prevented or disappointed or foiled until he comes again. This, dear brothers and sisters, is the greatest news and the greatest occurrence and the greatest thing that is going on in our midst and everywhere on earth that Jesus Christ is proclaimed on this Sunday all over the world. The mission is the gospel and its proclamation and being able to partner in its proclamation is glorious. So I hope you are as excited as I am to ask the question, how? How is the mission expanding and reaching and changing people's lives? Well, I am very glad you asked. Because that brings us to the second point. The church is the means of the mission. The church is the means of the mission. The global church at large, but every single individual church of Christ has a role to play in the mission. Please read verses 10 and 11 with me. So that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers 
and authorities in the heavenly places. This was according to the eternal purpose that he has realized in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Now, if you did a double take on that, so did I. Because it reads, so that through the church, okay, I'm tracking there, the manifold wisdom of God, yep, yep, we got that, that's the message, might now be made known, mm -hmm, we want it to be made known, Lord, to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. So the church is to make known the manifold wisdom of God to the angels and demons, because that's what's implied by rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. Yes. But for us to make sense of this, we have to consider a few things first. When Paul is saying, so that through the church, he is envisioning a healthy, godly church, a church that is aware of the good news of Jesus Christ, growing in their maturity in both preaching and applying the gospel in their own midst, as well as aware of their mandate to see the church expand by going where it has not previously existed. When and where the church exists, matures, and expands in that way, it will only result in growing church memberships of God-glorifying, Christ-proclaiming, spirit-led people. And although this is gloriously true, but when the church exists, matures, and expands, it is even proclaiming Christ to the spiritual realm. For the angels, this would be glorious. Luke 15 verse 10 reads, Just so I tell you, there is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. For the demons, however, this proclaims defeat. James 2.18 says, You believe that God is one. You do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. Each time... A husband humbles himself and asks forgiveness from his spouse. He partakes in this mission. Each time a mother corrects a sinning child and points them to Jesus, she partakes in this mission. Each time you share the gospel with a neighbor, pray for a relative, read scripture with a friend, attend and serve at church or apply any part of the Bible, you are engaging in this mission. In doing these things, we proclaim the excellencies of Christ in our endeavor to see his church built up and expand. The point, the gospel of Jesus Christ and its impact, according to Daryl Bach, speaks to the entire cosmos. The battle that is being fought by the existence of a church locally, maturing locally, and expanding extra locally is not merely physical on earth, but it is a spiritual battle, as Paul would remind us later in uh, Ephesians 6 when he said, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers of this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Brothers and sisters, the church is God's designated means by which he intends to bring sinners into a saving knowledge of himself, by which he intends for the angels to respond in joy and worship, and by which he intends for the enemy to see that it has been finally defeated. And you and I are participating in that mission in this very moment as his gathered church. The gospel is advancing. And by the way, it is not a new plan that God quickly brought about because another plan failed. Verse 11 says, this was according to the eternal purpose that he has realized in Christ Jesus our Lord. In eternity past, 
God knew that on April 2nd, 2023, there would be a gathered church at 14111 Sovereign Grace Drive in Midlothian, Virginia called Kingsway Community Church. In eternity past, God knew that this church would exist and mature in this location, praise God. And that this church would have a heart for expanding the global church, praise him again. By letting a foreigner with an accent preach as part of his preparation to be sent back to Namibia in order that a church may one day there be planted to expand where it could only where it could eternally change the lives of all who would one day hear the gospel and respond to it in faith. May God bring that about. The expansion of God's church is the mission in order that Christ may be exalted in every place by every tribe and tongue and nation to the glory of God the Father. And please note that it says that God has realized this in Christ Jesus our Lord. It is finished. It is as true today as it was 2,000 years ago. Satan is done. His defeat is accomplished. Though he kicks and squirms and accuses, he does so from death. Thank God it is not up to us to still try and accomplish that defeat. Now I need to share with you that this has not always been my conviction that the church is God's primary mission spearhead. In 2009, I visited South Africa where I re-met my now lovely wife. Uh, I spent about two weeks with her family. I asked her dad if we could date. He said yes. I spent another two weeks there. I said, could we get married? He said yes. If you want more information about that, ask Lisa. In 2010, I finally moved back to South Africa, and I got married later that year, and by the end of 2011, I joined OM, Operation Mobilization and Missions Organization, with which we served for the last 12 years. OM, like many missions organizations, loves Jesus, the gospel, and seeing his fame and renown spread to all peoples. It is the reason they exist, the sole purpose for which they exist. I ended up serving with OM in Pretoria, South Africa, for about four years, before we moved to Namibia, where we served as the national leaders of OM work in Namibia for the last seven years, up to this past December. During my time as a missionary, I was obviously moved with compassion to see the gospel spread and preach to all peoples. This meant we did frequent mission trips, weekend training events, we distributed Bibles, we supported local missionaries and pastors that serve in rural areas, and we set up all the necessary legal and administrative structures to make sure that such service continued. Over a period of time, I came to see scriptures like this one this morning and realized that they never mentioned OM, which was clearly a translation oversight. <laughs> I'm just kidding, obviously. But let me be very clear. The work that missions, organiza missions organizations do, for the most part, is glorious and Christ-edifying. As Paul said to the Philippians, only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in that I rejoice. And what I can tell you with joy this morning is that many missions organizations proclaim Christ, and in that we can and should rejoice. However, Paul here and in numerous other places throughout the New Testament, it is made clear that God intends for his church to be the primary torchbearers of Christ's gospel. You see, where we preached as missionaries, we preached for a weekend or a week, and then we returned home. 
where we baptized, we baptized people and often left them without church. If we were lucky, there was a small gathering of believers meeting for a type of a Bible study. When we distributed Bibles in languages that we do not even speak ourselves, we couldn't take people to specific scriptures. We had to just give them the word and trust that God would use that to speak to their hearts. Now, are any of these things bad? Absolutely not. But it is not how God intends for this gospel to be spread primarily. God intends for churches to exist in a particular place, to mature in a particular way, and then expand that experience to others in a particularly other and different place. The church has been given the authority of the Great Commission. Only the church has Christ as its head. The church is especially gifted in multiplying itself through discipleship. And that discipleship is focused on growing gospel preaching, Christ-exalting core groups of people, and that they may exist in culturally relevant ways to specific geographic areas in specific languages and to then multiply by doing and planting the same things in other places. And when they're done doing that, to do it again and again and again. It's just amazing that we get to be part of this, that we who formerly profaned the name of God are now the ones that get to speak of his glory and renown, to take the word of Jesus Christ and what he accomplished for us to the nations. And not because the church is somehow gifted or authoritative by its own means, no. Why? Because verse 11 says, the purpose has been realized in Christ Jesus, our Lord. He is Lord of all. Lordship means he is the author owner, initiator, and completer of the work of spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ and his church. Psalm 127 says, unless the Lord builds the house, those, that, those who build it labor in vain. Paul says it in another way, just earlier in Ephesians 1 verses 19 to 23, according to the working of his great might that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead, and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him as the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. The church is only the means of the expansion of the mission because Jesus Christ is the head. All things have been put under his feet and he has been given the he- as head over all things to the church. It is his very lordship that guarantees the forward movement and expansion of his church. So what does this look like, Josh? What does this look like for us in our church? What are we to do? We are to engage Christ and his word by obeying his commands. Good place to start is to not neglect meeting together. Hebrews 10, i.e., come to church. We are to pray together for our members, for our communities, for the lost, for missionaries and church planters, for other churches, for the gospel to advance boldly. We are to love one another as God has said, this is how the world will know that we are his disciples. 
We are also to baptize new members, share communion as an expression of unity, and increasingly resemble Christ as the word of God is applied to our hearts by the Spirit, primarily through the preached word, but also through all the other avenues through which God has gifted this local church. And as Kingsway exists, and God adds to our numbers, and we increasingly grow into Christ's likeness, we should have no other way but to burst at the seams with a desire to see the same happening in all places. And so we should seek ways in which God has gifted each one of us individually and serve and function in those gifts in order to see this local church grow and built up in love and ultimately expanded to see more churches planted in other places so that the gospel might go. There also breathe new life into communities and people. Hallelujah. I'm ready to go, Matthew. Not yet. Gospel proclamation is the mission's point one. The church is the means of the mission. There is grace for the mission. Point number three. There is grace for the mission. Read verse 12 with me. In whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. John Piper is well known for many things, but probably nothing more prominent than his quote where he said, God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. You all have heard this, I'm sure. It's a remarkable statement. When you are most satisfied in God, this is when he is most glorified in us. It brings to mind the question, however, how are we most satisfied in him? And I need to tread lightly here because I'm walking in the footsteps of the giant that is John Piper. But being most satisfied in God is never more true than we are eagerly most dependent upon him. Dependent on him for his grace, dependent on him for a sustaining power, dependent on him for his spirit to move in our lives and church by bringing conviction of sins and strength to endure them, dependent on him for the very air we breathe. The mission's expansion by the church can only happen and will only happen because we have boldness and access to Christ with confidence through our faith in him. Not because the model in the book of Acts is somehow a smart marketing strategy, not because we are somehow intrinsically designed by early church leaders to accomplish the mission, but because through our faith in him, there is boldness and access with confidence in Christ. Joshua and Matthew, my two boys, are a little bit different in their likes. Joshua loves sport, and so he enjoys playing with bats and balls and basketball nets and anything, and sports equipment generally is made to last, so I have to say that usually his stuff doesn't break as quickly. Matthew, on the other hand, does not like sports, and so he loves playing with small little plastic toys, be it a small car, um, a small toy that he got in one of those little egg vending machines at the shop. It could be the McDonald's gift you get in a, what's the McDonald's gift, uh, um, Happy Meal, you know, any of those things. And because he plays with these very small, fine, plastic, cheap toys, they break. And I accidentally was successful in fixing one or two of them, and he now believes that there is nothing I cannot fix. <laughs> he left a toy car out recent, not, not recently, but 
towards the end of last year, and I drove over it with our four-wheel drive. <laughs> and I thought he was going to be shattered. And he got out of the car and was like, buddy, I am so I didn't see it. And I'm, I'm just waiting for tears to start. And he comes and he picks it up, all the pieces. And he goes, it's okay, you'll fix it. <laughs> and I go, buddy, I am sorry, but this, this cannot be fixed. This is beyond repair. And he paused for a moment and he goes, no, you can fix it. <laughs> he was wrong. <laughs> There is an access and boldness and confidence in Matthew, my son, when he comes to me. He doesn't believe I can fail. And again, he was very wrong. However, faith placed in God, because we have boldness and access through faith in him, will never disappoint or fail. In the midst of our very own trials as a church, which are sure to come, and if you've been around for a while at this church, you will know that they already have come, but as the church continues to exist, mature, and expand, we can know that verse 12 is as true in that moment as it has ever been. Trials are sure, but what is even more sure is that we have boldness and access with confidence through, Jesus, through our faith in him, grace. Now my illustration miserably fails because I was ultimately not able to fix that car, but brothers and sisters, our God is able. There is no confidence in my ability to fix anything, but we have complete confidence through our faith in him that he is able to do all things. Amen? There's grace for the mission. Point one, grace, gospel proclamation is the mission. Point two, the church is the means of the mission. And three, there is grace for the mission. Finally, there is glory in suffering for the mission. There is glory in suffering for the mission. Verse 13, so I ask you not to lose heart over what I am suffering for you, which is your glory. You see, Paul too was all too aware of the fact that suffering is real. In fact, Paul is writing this letter, the words on these pages from a prison cell in Rome, which is the very reason why the Ephesians would have been tempted to lose heart. And yet Paul says that they should not lose heart because of what he is suffering for them, which is their glory. And we have to wonder how Paul's suffering can be the Ephesian church's glory. And there are at least two primary ways, main ways, God uses, to, uh, uses suffering to produce glory. Firstly, and this is exactly why the prosperity gospel is so evil, but suffering is part of our identity as believers. We live in a world where suffering is evident and not yet fully done away with. We live for a suffering savior. We are told to take joy when we face trials of various kinds because we know the testing of our faith develops perseverance, James 1. We are told to rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance and endurance produces character and character produces hope and hope will not put us to shame, Romans 5. Suffering is part and parcel of being called the children of God. If you're a Christian, then know that suffering is part of what points to our identity as Christians. And if this surprises you, then hear the words of Peter in 1 Peter 4.12. Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you, as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice 
insofar as you share Christ's sufferings, that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. And that brings us to the second part of suffering. It is the means God uses to reveal his glory. The last sentence of that verse said, rejoice insofar as you share in Christ's sufferings, that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. God has sovereignly ordained for suffering to be the means by which he reveals his glory. To Paul, when he was suffering, God said, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. When we are weak, his power is made perfect, and there can be nothing more glorious than the power of God being made perfect and on display for all the earth. And brothers and sisters, there has never been a more perfect display of God's power in weakness than when he sent his son to be weak in the eyes of the world and in the eyes of those who hung him on that tree. But there has also never been anything more grand and spectacular and powerful and eternity, eternity altering in all of history than Jesus Christ's resurrection from the dead, by which he dealt the final blow to Satan and his hordes. Jesus is the victorious one. He deserves all glory and honor and praise as he intercedes for, sustains, and guarantees the existence and maturing and expansion of his church. By God's grace, we hope to plant a a sovereign grace church in Vintuk, Namibia in 2024. And if the Lord should grant to us this grace, then it will be to your glory, King's Way, as you have been partners with us in this gospel mission. Through your care for my family over many years, through your funding of my residency this year, through your prayers, through your words of encouragement, you are partnering with us. And whatever God may choose to do through a church plant in Namibia in 2024, it will be your glory. And so I want to leave you with a question that was posed to me by, by Mike Seaver, who is the senior pastor of Risen Hope Church, a sovereign grace church in South Carolina. He asked, does the church have a mission or does the mission have a church? I want to give you a moment to think about that. Does the church have a mission or does the mission have a church? Put differently, does the church have a mission that it is just called to live out? Or does the mission of God to spread the gospel to all peoples have a church? And the answer has to be both. But it's my hope, especially this morning, that we would be keenly aware of the fact that the mission has a church. Because that means that God in eternity past had this plan where the unsearchable riches of Christ would be preached according to his eternal purpose that he realized in Christ Jesus our Lord and and In order to see this come to fruition, God has given and mandated and equipped and called the church to be his primary, specially gifted means by which Jesus Christ will be glorified and displayed and cherished and preached to all peoples for all ages for the glory of God. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, I am so humbled this morning that we who formerly hated this mission 
and everything it stands for. We rebelled against it. And yet you saved us and turned our hearts to you and made the excellencies of Christ real to us. You applied it to our hearts by your spirit and said, now you will be the torchbearers, my church, to go forward and take the words of my, my word of Jesus Christ, of the gospel, to the ends of the earth. Lord, help us to be local churches that are aware of the truth of your word that exist locally, that are growing and maturing where we are and as we grow and apply your word. And Lord, I pray that that would result in the expansion and advancing of your church by going where it has not been previously. We pray all these things in your glorious name. Amen.